Welcome to the Plant Spirit Podcast on connecting with plant consciousness and the healing wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Sarah Artemisia, and I am absolutely delighted to introduce our next guest to the show today. Patricia Walsh Collins is an intuitive educator and the founder and director of the Art of Spirits Earth School. Earth School's mission is to facilitate a child's spiritual connection to their inner life through a living relationship with the natural world and all beings. So Patricia, thank you so much for joining us today. Such an honor to have you here. Great to be here, Sarah. I'm so excited for our conversation and I'd love to start out with the approach that you have in Earth School to teaching and why this type of educational approach is so needed at this time. Sure. So I'm a professional educator of almost 30 years, and I taught in public and private schools. And in um, as I began to grow personally and spiritually, I've always been a very spiritual person and very connected to nature. But you know, spiritual awakening happened and things intensified. So as I began to grow and incorporate all kinds of different practices into my life, I introduced them into the classroom. So things like singing bowls, breath work, meditation, and it was great in the classroom until I started feeling like, and also taking kids outside more. So the balance was that we were kind of outside and doing this meditative work a little bit more than teaching the art and religion that I was supposed to be doing. And so at a point in 2014, I took a leap of faith because it was too small for me. I, any, any school, that was a great school, but any school structure would be too small. And so I created Earth School. Earth School came to me six months later. And the basis of Earth School is really a spiritual connection to the natural world and all beings. And so I see myself as a facilitator, and I see Earth School as the conduit to the higher teachings of the Earth. So our days at Earth School, oh, and I chose, our kids are 7 to 12, although this year, because we are seven years into it, kids are starting to outgrow it, and we still love them, and they love us, so we now extended to 15. We have one summer camp session, 13 to 15. But the idea of working with kids, besides the fact that I love it, they're so close to their source. And I felt like they just needed to be given permission to access their original source, their innate wisdom, their innate relationships with all beings. And that is really what Earth School is. So I feel that I create the space for them. I hold the space for them. I will facilitate. And really it's their own remembering, which happens pretty quickly, pretty quickly. You know, we always have themes and they're earth-based themes. They could be the earth elements or they could be trees or birds or something like that. And I have activities and I incorporate that into the meditations and the activities. And it's just the intuitive part of it is just watching just watching what happens with those kids when they get out on the land. If they are finding joy in the water, 
then we're going to disdain the water. We're going to follow that joy. We'll incorporate trees or whatever the theme is somehow within the week. I'll find a way. But it's not, it's not that it's I let the boundaries down, I suppose, is what it is, because there aren't aren't those hard and fast boundaries that formal education has. There's not that hard and fast expectation that formal education has. It's all based on intuition, mind following theirs, feeding into the earth. And so just watching them go back into what they already know. Once they've been given permission to explore and discover and relate, it's really pretty magical. I'm hooked. I clearly am too. <laughs> so thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing that. And I'd love to hear a bit more about how, in your experience, how is inner wisdom connected with nature? Oh, it's everything. It's everything. I I am a, always have been a sensitive. You know, we'll give it that term. A sensitive. My mother always called me too sensitive, which just boggled my mind. How could you be too sensitive? Isn't that a good thing? But what it did for me is it it uh, took this thing that I, I saw as being great, and it turned it into making me feel less than because not everybody was the same. And so what we do at our school is we start from the place that we're all sensitive beings, and we're all interconnected beings. And I guess what it is, is we learn how to listen again. We really learn how to listen again. And I think of, I've held workshops. I just did one for women and one for kids this year on inner wisdom, accessing your inner wisdom. And I really see it as a channeling. It's just a channeling. I don't take credit for much that comes through, except for the fact that I can listen that I've learned to listen, I know how to access it. If we can open up to the wisdom that lies beyond us, that created us, then that's that's what I'm looking for. And that's what I introduced to the kids. So it's just learning how to listen, learning how to see, learning how to be, and learning how to relate, how to have the exchange of those deeply held emotions and feelings with other beings. And they don't have to be human beings because we are all of spirit. And so speaking about spirituality to kids, it doesn't happen that often. It certainly doesn't happen in the schools. And it's often confused with religion, which spooks people out. And, you know, it's that's not the fact of it. So just, again, giving kids permission to talk about their spiritual lives and how to access their spiritual lives, give them the silence to hear and to see, let them know that visions, we all experience visions, you don't have to be a great mystic, you know, and, and in fact, what we're doing is demystifying spirituality. And it's not limited to human beings. So that's that interconnection that we hope to provide for kids through our school. That's incredible. I'd love to hear too, why in your experience, is it so important to cultivate that awareness of the connection between the inner wisdom and nature from such a young age? Because that's the truth of us. That's the truth of who we are. 
human beings were both. We're living this dual existence as spiritual beings on planet Earth. And it is our truth. And the systems on Earth have been set up for a very long time to disconnect us from that truth for various reasons. And, you know, that's a whole other tangent I could go into, which I won't. But the idea is to really live into the truth of who we are. Now, somebody, you know, I'm much older than you, and every generation has more undoing to do. Like somebody, I'm 65, and it will take me a long time to undo a lot, where I could say I've been working at it a good bit of time to undo a lot of this conditioning that I grew up with. And I don't want that for kids. I don't want that for the kids. And the earth can't wait for that. We humans can't wait for that. There's no need for it. So just to speak the truth of who we are and and to really validate kids, you know, when they, one of our greatest practices is gratitude. It sounds simple, but in being grateful for any and everything, even, you know, your own gifts, what happens to you in life, it gives you a sense of uh, self-worth. It gives you a sense of worthiness where you might not find that in the rest of your world. So that's all a part of the intuitional intuition part of, of Earth School is just accessing those, the inner life and the unseen in a way that is helpful and really accessible to know that it's always there. And it's all real. It's all real to just demystify all this stuff, all these structures that have been built up to disconnect us because it's not true. Yeah. And I just think about how incredible and how incredibly different this world would be if all kids were taught from a young age to connect with their intuition how do you, can you give us an example of maybe a couple of activities that you do with kids to really help them cultivate a sense of connection with their intuition at Earth School? Yeah, we, um, well, one very simple one is we, we, uh, we choose tree partners out in the forest. We'll go out and we'll find a friend. And it's not a human friend, it's a tree friend. And we'll sit with that tree. And um, I spent a lot of time in the rainforest of Ecuador, and it's one of the things we did there. We had a travel program at our school, and it's one of the things we did is we would take kids out into the rainforest, and they would sit for 45 minutes in the rainforest. Now, I mean, that was a pretty extreme place here in our own backyards just to sit with a tree and to get a sense of that tree. and. If you sit long enough and if you feel into it, you'll have thoughts. You'll have notions that come to you. And I always say that it's, you know, they're not mine. They come to me and through me. And I feel, you know, that's the same. Is It's a sharing. And it's just a, a level of sensitivity that we have to bring back. But with the kids who are only... Uh, you know, maybe a dozen, 10 years removed from their source, it happens pretty quickly. It happens pretty quickly. Now, if you take their parents out in the mid-30s or 40s, it takes a little longer. 
you know, they have to go out multiple times. So I've always hoped for a trickle up effect with our school that the kids will take it home and it'll trickle on up to the families. Another thing we do is we do some collective energy games where it's real simple, where we just sit. uh, One child will sit in the center of the circle and everybody else is around. And I'll signify that maybe we're thinking about a color, certain color. So the kid in the middle has their eyes closed. Everybody else knows that we're thinking about red and we will sit there and we will just project red to that child in the middle. And we'll maybe do that for two minutes or so. And that child is to open and receive and just get a feel for what's coming at them. And it's amazing how often they get it right. It really is cool. It's just tapping into the collective energy field. Another thing we do is at the end of each week session, we have a little goodbye ritual or an ending ritual where I have collected a bunch of things, natural objects during the week. And I lay them out on the table in a line. It could be feathers. It could be a special rock. It could be a certain leaf, anything. And I just lay them out in the rock and each child takes a turn and they go and they wave their hand from the beginning of that line of objects all the way across to the end, but their eyes are closed. And the idea is to feel the energy, energetic pull of a particular item. And, you know, they might go once or twice up across the line, but they zone in on something and they take that object. And that's just, you know, working their sensibilities, working their sensibilities. Then it follows and it's, you know, more involved gift giving. But we do a lot of that. We do energy dowsing, water dowsing. We have a special friend that comes in and teaches us how to do that. And it's just lead meditations. We do just, it's kind of is a thread that's sewn through everything we do, where it's not like this strange anomaly, like today we're going to do this one thing. No, this is how the spirit literally moves us through the days, through the weeks, and it's woven. Love that. And particularly, you know, what you were sharing earlier about how it's it's all about demystifying the intuition, demystifying the intuitive gifts, just bringing it down to this really practical level. Like this is not something crazy and out there. This is something that is super accessible. I love that you're doing that. So, you know, that's what I was saying also about the confusion between religion and spirituality. And it's just held in such funny regard. You know, and if you're going to be a highly spiritual person, then you must be special. Well, no, that's not true. We all are. If you're going to have visions, you must be extremely mystical. No, that's not true. We all do. And to just, and when we do meditations, to lead them to those things, those visions that they see, and to understand that is a vision you're seeing with your inner eye. You know, you're not seeing in the 3D, you're seeing in another way. And it's all accessible. I I guess I can't say it enough, just like permission granted to think the thoughts that you think, feel the feels you feel and know what you know, because if you feel it, you know it and nobody can tell you otherwise. And to have faith in that, that's what we're fueling. (laughs) Incredible. That is amazing. Well, it's like I said, it's what I wished I had had as a kid. 
because I wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong to feel the way I felt, but I was made to feel wrong in the structure of the world that I grew up in, that it was unusual to be that sensitive. And there's so many kids coming in now that are highly sensitive and in a lot of different ways. And it's really cool. I do have parents calling me uh, with kids who have attention issues, you know, and they want to know if earth school is the kind of place for them. And yeah, as long as a child is not a safety risk to themselves or anyone else, absolutely. Because I fully believe that the earth is the best medicine for everybody. And I have seen kids who in a classroom would be buzzing around and really hard to get focused and settled. They assimilate so easily in our school on the earth because it's a different rhythm. It's aligned with rhythms of the natural world, which is slow and soft and gentle and requires you to be quiet and listen. And it, it's, it's really amazing to watch. It's really fun to watch. I bet. Yeah. And I know that one of the other modalities that you bring in a lot in the education is this aspect of really integrating art with nature and I'm curious if you could tell us a bit more about that and how weaving art and nature together really helps kids to connect with their intuition and the wisdom of the earth. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm a, a professional art educator. So art has always been my love. In fact, growing up as the sensitive one out of the five noisy ones around me, my siblings, I went to art and that's been it for me. And so that's where I ended up teaching. And what I came to in teaching art is that it is the great connector. It is a great connector and the great integrator because you have to, you'll observe something, learn something uh, cognitively, but then you take it down through your heart and it comes out your hands as you're expressing it in your art work, whatever it may be. And so it's like this full body experience of something that really helps to integrate. It's it's like writing in a lot of ways too. I'm a great advocate of writing. And because when you write something, you have to define it in a way. And it too passes through your heart to choose the correct word that really identifies with the feeling. It's the same thing. So you're you're choosing the correct motion or mark that identifies with the feeling or interpretation of the experience you've had yeah I'm, I'm we we have art um in earth school always our summer camp or one week sessions and we'll have at least one art project that we do a little bit of every day and we've done all kinds of things we do all kinds of painting and printmaking glass work rock sculptures clay we do tons of earth art, creating art out of whatever is out there. And it's phenomenal work. And that that is really the best, I feel, because it is you can't get any closer to the earth than touching her. You can't get any closer than and feeling and seeing her for what she is and, and working with her as your medium. I love that. You know, there there was something else that you shared before we started this interview about your motto, your motto in life, your motto in business, your motto in all things that with love and effort, all things are possible. And I love that. And I'm 
curious in your experience, how is this really helpful for bringing the earth wisdom forward at this time to really connect in with this motto of with love and effort, all things are possible. Well, I I think it's, I think intention is everything. Intention is everything. Like you can have missteps in life, but if your intention was not of a negative way, then as native Americans say, it's in a good way, in a good way to travel in a good way. And so putting forth love, living from a point of love and putting forth the effort because, you know, in the world of spirit, you, you can, you can live up in the clouds, which admittedly I can do live up in the clouds, but you also are here on the earth. And therefore you have to take the right action. You have to take the next step, whatever it may be. And so it's the coupling of the two of the love and the effort and everything's possible. And I don't really believe in failure. I just believe in uh, effort, you know, doing it again. I used to say it in the art room, you know, you can't be wrong here. Not everybody is a so-called artist. You cannot be wrong, but as long as you put forth the effort, you're correct. And that's, that's how I feel in life. And so that, that saying came to me from my uh, indigenous friend in uh, a Quechua friend in Ecuador, because like I said, I've spent a lot of time there in my first trip there by myself, pulling together a gazillion little pieces of logistics that were falling apart one at a time. He said to me, with love and effort, all things are possible. And I, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it does. And it, it takes the pressure off. Because the world that we live in and that these kids are being brought up in of achievement and acquisition is just, it's too much. It's too much. What about the love? <laughs> what about the, the feeling that you get? What about the feeling you share? Is that not worth something? I believe it is. So with love and effort. Absolutely. And I'd love to hear a bit about in your experience, how do the plants and nature really support you in your life's work? Mm. You know, I'll, I'll just speak personally here right now. I was telling you earlier that uh, I've always been a gardener and I always considered myself an intellectual gardener that I didn't actually have the gift of gardening, but I don't really believe in that anymore. When the pandemic hit, I mean, I have a lot of gardens around my house and I put every little plant in there. And when the pandemic hit, I was out there in March. I was out there creating new gardens, more vegetable beds. I created a, uh, I, you'll like this. I created a 30 by 30 foot mandala garden last year. That is so cool. But what I noticed through the pandemic really is that my connection to the plants has become so deep. Like every phone conversation I have, I don't want to hear about what you did today. I want to talk about plants. I want to talk about plants. And it's not just, you know, color and shape and size. It's, it's the feeling of these plants and the energy that they share with me and the healing that they have given me is phenomenal. So I spend the a great amount of time out, out in my gardens, whether I'm sitting, having lunch in my gardens, meditating in my gardens. I say good night every night out in my mandala garden in the middle. And 
I, <laughs> we have a lot of conversations, me and my plants, but I take that to earth school as well. And I'm a great, great fan of Francis of Assisi. We have a deep connection and his relationship or his relating to the natural world. I'm all about it. You know, the brother, the sisterhood that we live with, I'm all about it. And I, I share that with the kids. And so we talk about the plants that are there. We, we ask permission. I generally don't let them take leaves or anything, but if there's an instance where something's needed, you ask permission and you ask the plant to pull back its energy and give it a chance to pull back its energy so it doesn't hurt as much. And even those simple things really helps a child understand that this is a living being. This is a living being that isn't just what you're seeing above the ground. It goes deep and there's a community that it's connected to. And it's, it's, it's really fostering that kind of relationship with plants and we do with animals too, but it just deepens. It just deepens the emotional experience of kids. And, you know, if we're working to reconnect, it's all about the heart. It's all about relationship. Every Earth School has always been about connection. That is it. It is reconnecting and not forgetting our connection. So, you know, we do we do, do things like foraging, but we ask permission and we we do make wineberry pies in the July, which are phenomenal, but we ask permission and then we celebrate the plant. We offer to the animals as well. We create feeders for the animals of, you know, plant substances. And it's just, it's, it's that cycle. And that's the other thing too, I have to say, just in the thinking alone is changing the way that we're thinking from the linear thinking of the old paradigm to this cyclical thinking and introducing that to kids. And it's so subtle and it's so nuanced but it's done through these small activities that we do and through the small conversations that we have, whether as a group or one-on-one. And it's just welcoming them to the world that they're actually growing into because, you know, we're living in a phenomenal time. And if somebody doesn't help these kids and open them up or, or it's not even help them. It's again, just kind of facilitate what they already know because they're watching a big part of the world falling down, but they need to know that they're a huge part of bringing the future. They are it. And it's exciting. It's really exciting. So that's what I like to instill in every, every kid is just that love Love and relationship of the natural world. And of course, that goes inward because they're a part of the natural world as well. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you were just talking about too with the that shift from the linear thinking to the cyclical and how subtle that is and also how huge it's gigantic and nature mirrors that so clearly. It's like, it's such a direct metaphor. It's like, we don't even necessarily need to talk about it outright all the time because it's when people are immersed in nature, they're being immersed in that cyclical way of being. And there's this cellular remembering that I feel that happens about that. 
that is really powerful. You know, time itself has changed. And right now, as we seem to be emerging from some level of the pandemic, there's this wanting to continue in, with the known, which is that linear projection or trajectory, and that doesn't exist. So the time of today, the way time works today doesn't work in that linear fashion. It only responds and works within a cyclical, natural fashion. It's really nuanced. It's super nuanced. But again, like you said, you know, being on the earth, that's it. She'll teach us. We get them there. She'll teach them. (laughs) Amazing. So Patricia, tell us, how can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, We are at uh, earthschoolforkids.org. We're a nonprofit organization. We've been in existence for seven years. We focus mostly on kids seven to 12. Now we have small groups for 13 to 15, but we also do uh, professional development for educators because, you know, there's only so many hours, talk about time in the day that I, we really want to influence the new education system coming. So if we can help teachers remember and they can take that into their classrooms and become change makers. That's what we want to do. Because what I know for sure is you cannot teach something that you don't embody. I've seen people try. I've seen people say the words, but kids don't buy it. They're never going to buy it. <laughs> they have great radar. So those teachers that are drawn to a deeper way of teaching a deeper spirituality in their teaching or school professional development is a way to access that. We give tools and activities, you know, that are perfectly accessible to kids within school systems. And then, you know, one by one school system after school system, we'll change it. It's bit by bit by bit. You know, me bringing singing bowls and meditation and breath work into my classroom was a start. Now that school has singing bowls and three divisions of mindfulness curriculum embedded in its curriculum. So that's the beginning. And there's plenty of other schools that are moving in that way. And so, you know, it's coming. We just all have to keep keep going, keep working. Check us out. Reach out. I love to talk to people. You know, it's, that's it here. Here's just one more little nugget. I love a phone call. (laughs) I love a phone call. I find that people do not want to speak on the phone anymore. They'd much rather text or send an email. And anytime I encourage them to actually get on the phone and hear my voice and I can hear theirs, a lot of times they shy away because it's become foreign, those conversations. And that's just another level of connection. Let's touch each other's hearts and, and connect with each other again. It's what it's all about. Amazing. Well, Patricia, thank you so much for joining us today. Just so incredible to hear about what you're doing with Earth School and the entire approach. It it really is what is so needed at this time. Well, I really appreciate it. It's been great reconnecting with you. What a hoot that we <laughs> found each other after all these years. And I love the podcast and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak on it. 
Oh, thank you. And thanks so much for listening and joining us today on the Plant Spirit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and please follow to subscribe, leave a review and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you.